Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 31, Employment Eligibility Verification, also known as Form I-9. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay, and I'm your small business ally, instructor, and servant, and I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. I provide employer intelligence to you, the small business owner, and help you become an employer brainiac in about seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. On the last episode, we talked about E-Verify system, and today we'll learn about Form I-9, which unlike E-Verify, every employer must comply with. Let's rock this. Back in the good old days, the Immigration and Naturalization Service was in charge of I-9 enforcement. But after 9-11, the Department of Homeland Security was created and the INS was subsumed by DHS. Now, I-9 compliance is regulated by the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE. ICE is the agency that's going to show up to audit you. They enforce the provisions of Section 274A, the Unlawful Employment of Aliens section of the Immigration and Nationality Act. ICE agents who show up unannounced to raid workplaces carry guns. I guess there's a real problem with working illegal aliens taking their guns to work every day. You're required, upon the hiring of a new employee, to complete the Form I-9. You cannot do this before you hire them. After they've accepted an offer of employment, you can have them complete Section 1 of the form, and then you must complete Section 2 within three business days of the hire. This is ridiculous. You can't verify eligibility to work until after you hire. If it turns out they aren't eligible, then you have to let them go. But don't forget to pay them for the time that they did work. Now, the first section of the form asks for personal information, including name, address, date of birth, social security number, phone number, and email address. However, your employee doesn't have to provide you with their social security number, even though they have to provide it to you on Form W-4. How stupid is that? However, if you participate in the Verify system, then they must provide their social security number, otherwise you can't complete the process. They also do not have to give you their email address or phone number. If the employee is unable to complete the form on their own, someone can assist them. And if that happens, then the preparer or translator must complete the certification block. Now, the hardest part about Section 1 is getting the employee's name right. It gets pretty complicated when your employee has multiple last or first names. And if you don't get that right, then, and you do e-verification, then you're going to have an increased chance of rejection. Now, Section 2 is document review. The employee must provide identification documents that show their identity and prove that they're authorized to work. There are three lists of acceptable documents and your employee gets to choose which documents they're going to provide as long as it's either one from list A or one from list B and one from list C. You may only accept unexpired documents and you have to write down the document information on the form. Now list A shows both identity and employment authorization while list B shows only identity, and list C shows only employment authorization. Now, the person who examines the documents has to sign their name attesting under penalty of perjury that they appear to be genuine and related to the employee, and that to the best of their knowledge, the employee is authorized to work in the U.S. The Handbook for Employers, published by the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service, tries to soften that attestation language a little bit by saying that the documents, quote, reasonably appear on their face to be genuine, end quote. The reasonably and on their face are what's new, and they give the reviewer a little more wiggle room. 
But if that's the real meaning, then why don't they just add this language to the I-9 Section 2 certification? If you choose to make copies of the documents, then you have to do this for all employees regardless of national origin or citizenship status. I don't recommend that you keep copies. You don't have to, and it only exposes you to liability. If you currently maintain copies, then shred them or delete them. You also want to make sure that your I-9s are kept separate from the rest of the employee's HR file. However, there is an exception to this because if you participate in E-Verify and your employee is using a list B document in lieu of an A, then the B must have their photograph and you have to keep a copy of that document along with the I-9. Just another reason to hate E-Verify. In certain circumstances, you might have to accept a receipt in lieu of one of the documents. You'll have to re-verify expired documents no later than the document expiration date, and you use Section 3 for this. If you've already used Section 3, then you bust out a new form, but you'll only have to retain the second page and keep it with the original. Things get really complicated when you have to recertify an employee who's a lawful permanent resident, a refugee, or a asylee, is here on temporary protected status, is an exchange visitor or student, or is working under an H-1B or H-2A. The Office of Special Counsel for Immigration-Related Unfair Employment Practices enforces the anti-discrimination provisions of the INA, and they have exclusive jurisdiction over citizenship or immigration status discrimination claims against all employers with four or more employees. They can come after you for many types of discrimination, such as document abuse, citizenship status discrimination, national origin discrimination, retaliation, and violations of Title VII and other federal anti-discrimination laws. So you'd better mind your P's and Q's. You can't hire someone who isn't authorized, and you can't not hire someone who is authorized because you're trying to protect yourself from hiring someone who isn't authorized. If you rehire an employee within three years of execution of the previous I-9, you can rely on the previously completed I-9 as long as the documents haven't expired. And finally, Form I-9 is available in English and Spanish. However, only employers in Puerto Rico may use the Spanish version to meet the verification and retention requirements of the law. Employers in the United States and other U.S. territories may use the Spanish version as a translation guide, but the English version must be completed and retained in your records. Now, can you believe how ridiculous this is? What a colossal waste of time and money. I mean, why doesn't the government require every individual to obtain a work authorization directly from one of the many agencies within the DHS and save employers from having to jump through hoops and incur liability? Better yet, prevent illegals from entering the country and let whoever wants to work, work. Well, there you have it. Let's recap. Complete the I-9 within three business days after you hire your employee. Don't keep copies of the document provided unless you use the E-Verify system. Remember to re-verify employees' identifications before the expiration and keep your I-9s in a separate file from the rest of the records. And also, maintain the I-9s in English unless you're an employer in Puerto Rico. If you enjoy this podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. It's literally the nicest thing you could do for me and I would really appreciate it. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks very much for listening and have a great day. 
Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac. 